Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Greg's lesson today is entitled, Two Prayers for You. Certainly a great truth. We, everything that goes on, we can trust God with it. He is trustworthy. As I mentioned, Pastor Bill is out for, the, for a few days. He'll be back this evening, and he's been speaking on uh, the subject of prayer. And so in my time of preparation, I was getting, getting ready for that, and I, I, I fill in for him, if you want to call it that, out in Laguna Heights a couple times a year. I, I preach for six, six or eight, ten weeks at a time and fill in for him on the Sunday nights when he preaches at our mission. And we're preaching through, through the book of Ephesians out there, uh, one of my favorite books, and some of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible are in there. And so I'm going to be sharing with you a, a, a sermon entitled, Two Prayers for You. He's in the subject of prayer, and hopefully this will segue with that nicely. Either way, it's, it's good stuff from the Scriptures. And uh, you can take this two ways. I hope you will. Uh, this is a prayer that Pastor, these are prayers, types of prayers that Pastor Bill and I pray for you, our people, on a regular basis. And uh, we encourage you to take the, what, what is in the content today, and you can use that to pray for other people in the same way. So these are prayers for you uh, to incorporate into your life uh, a lifestyle of prayer. And if in Ephesians chapter 1, if you take your Bibles out there and get ready, that's where we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 and then a little bit later on in Ephesians chapter 3. So there are two prayers in the book of Ephesians that Paul, Paul prays. And uh, the first one is about knowing things. And the second one is about being a certain way or doing things. So we're going to break these apart. I'll give you the general outline of where we're going this morning. It's like a, like a progression of things, uh, not that we can't pick and choose the one that we need to work on, but it's kind of a, he's blazing out a progression of, of things in Ephesians as he says this prayer. So if you look at verse 15 and following there, we'll begin by reading our, uh, our passage. This is the prayer of enlightenment that, that, you, that you might be enlightened, that you might know. Beginning in verse 15. For this reason, Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking God, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so here's Paul's first prayer, and he's praying uh, essentially the, the broad categories. He's praying, I'm going to pray that you know that you can know these things. And uh, the first part is that it's, it's for a spiritual understanding. I pray that you will know these things. Let's go back to verse 17, and, uh, and, and we can look at this. He's praying for a spirit of wisdom 
and of revelation that God would show you things. He prayed this for his people, and then we're praying that for you and praying that for ourselves, that we will continue to grow in the spirit of revelation that God, as we study his word, as we gather with his people, would show us things. He'd give us great wisdom, and he revealed to us things that we need to know. And he says, I pray that you'll be enlightened. We go from darkness to light, that all of a sudden things that were dim, and like I don't really understand, that all of a sudden they would bring some clarity to our spiritual life. And it's a spiritual enlightenment. It's not just about the way things work. It's about God's Spirit and how He's working in our lives. And we note the purpose of us being spiritually enlightened is not so that we can be more comfortable. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it talk about, you know, God's doing these great things so you could just be comfortable. Now, no one likes to be comfortable any more than I do. There's nothing quite like a good comfy chair on on game day that's that's got the handle. You pop your feet up, you know. You know what I'm talking about. I like to be comfortable. I like a comfortable chair. I like a comfortable bed. I like a comfortable temperature. I like everything to be comfortable. But nowhere in the Scriptures is God saying, I'm doing this for your comfort, and I want you to be comfortable. A lot of times we miss out opportunities that God has for us because we say, I'm not really comfortable with that. Well, let me give you a spiritual term for that. Whoop-de-doo. God's not concerned about, now he's concerned about bringing you comfort. You can read that, but he's not concerned about you just always being comfortable. He, he wants your eyes to be enlightened so you can know him. And we'll look at more where that takes us here in just a second. But he wants you to know him and to know him better, to continually get to know him. Whatever you know about Jesus, however well you know him, there's more. There's more. I I don't care how many years you put in. I don't care how many hours that you put in. There's more to know, and he's worth knowing better. And he gives us the spiritual enlightenment for a purpose, and that is so that we can know him better. And then he goes on here in the the next section. In order that you can know the hope which he has called you. So he's, he's opening your spiritual eyes if, if, you, if you're open to that. And in the process, he wants you to know his son better. And you've got to know the hope to which he's called you. There's a couple things here. We talked about comfort. He's not calling you to comfort. It's his calling. We ask the wrong questions sometimes or we make the wrong requests. God bless my plans and my efforts. And it's not, uh, it's not your plan that he's concerned about. It is his plan You can know the hope to which he has called you. He called you to a path. He called you to a purpose. And he called you to do things and be a certain way for his glory. And that's what he's interested in helping you to become. It's the best thing for you in the end. But it's not about you. You're not saying, I'm going to do this so that I can get comfortable. No. He wants you to know this hope. And this hope is not the uh, not the the Sunday afternoon Disney watch a Disney special when you wish upon oh all my dreams will come true and I hope I hope I hope I hope it, that word in the in the scripture is not that kind of hope it's not like well maybe it's a it's a surety it's saying I want you to know the hope I'm telling you what's there and in faith you can trust me to believe it's there it's it's his hope that he gives you in his plan 
So he's opening our spiritual eyes, and Paul's praying this for his people. We're praying this for you. Hopefully you're praying these kind of things for other people in your life, that they would, they would open their eyes, that they would get to know Jesus better, that they would have a hope, the hope that you as a believer one time didn't have, right? And you remember how lost you were. You remember how hopeless you were. And we're praying that, that we could find and know that hope. So we want to know with our heads and our minds, we want to know that God's hope is real, that all everything He's promised is real. And next, He wants us to know His riches, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. In the book of Ephesians, it says that we were raised up to be with Christ. We're joint heirs with Him. We're co-owners of everything with Him already. That's, his, that's our position in God, is we have all his riches available to us as a, as a joint heir, which means we haven't really inherited it fully yet, but it's there. It's ours. And these riches are spiritual blessings and spiritual things that can apply to our lives to make our lives, lives better. But his riches are there for his kingdom's work, and if we're doing his kingdom's work, we are heirs and we are participants in all that he has, and he has a lot. And then we're, in verse 19 it says, uh, another thing that we need to know is his comparably great power. It's undisputed, it's, it's incredibly great, and it's there for you and it's there for me. You know, there's a lot of power around us in our society. We've tapped a lot of different powers. There's wind power and and there's solar power, and, they, and there's, of course, of course, there's the evil, uh, other evil powers that make electricity that you can't mention. Um, and, and anyway, but th they come through these transmission lines, and this power is available to us. Um, Port Isabel, I, I, I I'm going to do this project. I thought about it not too long ago. But I think, believe that Port Isabel, per linear mile, probably has more power poles than any place in the universe. You drive down the boulevard, it's like power pole, power. Like it seems like every average of every 10 feet, there's a power pole. And, and we're power hungry. We use power. And, and, and it doesn't do you any good for all that power to be there unless you tap into it. We'll talk about the process later on. But God's power is incomparable. And he gives a description of that power exactly that way. It's incomparable. No one is better. No one has more power. No one is, is bigger in the power department. And it says that uh, that power is the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the power we have access to. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority, no one, no one above him. We were saying that this morning. Power and dominion. And every title that can be given. There's no title. There's no better, better person than the Lord. He is the highest, not only in the present age, but in the, present, in the age to come. There'll never be anyone better. We hear, if you're a sports fan, you always hear about the GOAT. Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? It's Jesus in the power department, in the riches department, in the goodness department. In every department, he is the greatest and Paul's saying to us, you need to know that, and you need to know him. He's a good guy to know. I mean, when it comes to politics, when it comes to other things, it, sometimes it's who you know, right? You need to know the maker of the universe in that way to say he's all-powerful and he's on my side, or more importantly, more accurately, I'm on his side. 
I'm in his plan. Continues with the description of God's great power in verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He's the filler. He's the giver. He's the power. He's the source. So Paul wants us to know these things. He wants us to know Jesus. Well, first of all, he wants to know Jesus. And how do we know who Jesus is? Well, we begin to learn and respect the hope that he has, that he's given us, the riches and the power collectively. And he has them there. I read a story about, um, about William Randolph Hearst. In the 1930s, he owned a bunch of newspapers and perhaps magazines. I'm not exactly sure. But he was a very, very, very rich man. He had some 20 million readers uh, during, during the peak of his, of his business days. And it said that his personal budget for just his personal life was $15 million a year in 1930. Um, one of our deacons did, did the math on that, and I don't remember what he said that would be in today's value, but he, it's a little homework experiment for you. But incredible amount even now to think I'm going to spend $15 million on myself just to have fun. So in this process, he, in spending his money, he, he started acquiring great collections of art and, uh, and different things of that nature. I mean, what else are you going to spend when you got that much money at your hand? So he started buying art, and he, and he read a description about a piece of art, that he, that he, he, and he said, I want that piece of art. He said, i got to have this. And, of course, he didn't go looking for it. He got his team together, and he sent them out and said, guys, go see if you can find this piece of art. This sounds wonderful. I, I, want, I want to get that piece of art. So he sent a team out, and several months later, they, they came back with a report, and they said, well, we got some good news, and we got some other news. And they said, okay, well, give me the good news first kind of thing. And he said, well, the good news is we found the piece of art you want. The other news <clears throat> is it's in one of your storage sheds you bought it a long time ago. It, Paul's not praying for us like in a similar fashion. Paul's not praying, I hope, that you, I, hope that, I hope and pray that you get hope. I hope that you find treasures. I hope that God eventually gives you power. He's saying, I want you to know what you already have. It's already in your barn. It's already in your garage. It's already in your heart. All that is there if you're a believer. The pow- all the power of God, the moment you believe, comes available to you. All his riches, you, you, they're, they're given to you. And Paul says, I want you to know this. I want your spiritual, your, the little eyeballs on your heart to open up and go, wow. This is how good God is. And again, however good you think he is, he's better than that. So we begin to get to know him, and it's a great process. Then we're going to move to our second one in just a minute. But before we move to the second prayer, in Ephesians, there's a whole lot of how-to stuff that goes with it, a whole lot of good theology about how you get saved, how you don't get saved. And, and in the process of that, he's explaining the spiritual truths, again, so that they can know, which brings them to the second part, which is how they can be, what they can do. So the second prayer in Ephesians is a prayer so we have a prayer for enlightenment and then we have a prayer for enablement so you you know these things and as you begin to really know these things you begin to put them into practice now you've you've learned skills before and someone has come to you and they're teaching you something all right 
pick any topic that, that, that's something you learn, you think you know pretty good. But when you first start lo- knowing it, people are telling you stuff, and you have this look in your eye. You have this look like, yeah, I got it. And your eyeballs tell, tell the other person that you don't got it yet. You kind of got it, but you got it, Right? And then you go, yeah, okay, all right, I got it. And then that person leaves, and whatever job or skill you're doing, you think, I got it, and you're going, I don't got it. It slips away from you. you you're there, and you're like, oh, I thought. Now, where do I click on the computer? Where do I put my fingers on the guitar? I thought I had it. I thought I had it, and now I don't have it. And so there's the knowing, and then there's it, as the more you're into it, the more you know, right? And all of a sudden, it becomes second nature. And Paul's saying, I want you to know these things, so that they can become a part of you and become natural and that you're enabled to live out what you have learned. All of our journey started with this. We were dead. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sin. It said we were dead and we were made alive in Christ. So we're, we're like a resurrected person who's come back to life. The dead can't know anything. The, ca- the dead can't learn anything. But all of a sudden, we've, be- we've, become- we've come alive in Christ, and he begins to enlighten us, and we begin to wake up. And so here's the second prayer. Let's read it uh, on the screens. Verse 14 and follow. The second prayer of Paul for the Ephesians and for us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Notice right here, this is a little aside, but he bows his heart and his will to God in his prayer. He's saying, God, you first, not me. So he bows before God, verse 15, from his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So that's, that's the prayer. The, the prayer. He's, he's saying, I pray that you know these things, and now he's saying, I'm praying that you will put these things into practice, that you will be enabled. As I mentioned earlier, we, we came from death to life, and then it's like you come alive and... Uh, I don't know, I've never been dead before that I remember. Spiritually dead, but physically I've never been dead. But I've seen people in the hospital who lay in the hospital and get sick for a long time. And what happens is that their body, their muscles are almost dead. They atrophy. And we have one of our, our winter Texans, uh, someone, we've been praying for him. And we, someone sent me a video of him going down the hallway. And it's like he went, basically went from almost, almost death to life. And, and that's, that's the image that Paul's painting painting for us that that we were dead and we come alive and then all of a sudden our spiritual eyes begin to open and we begin to gain strength verse 16 paul says i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being there's a lot in that verse a lot of spiritual dynamite in that little package so god's given us all this power but now he's talking about strength 
So with all the power lines out there, that's great. We've got a big old pile of power. But when we start tapping into it, and Paul starts giving the practical, how can we tap into God's power to be what God wants us to be? It's out of His glory, it's riches, and it's out of His strength that He gives you strength in the power of the inner being. So what happens here, he's saying, your inner being is your spiritual faculties, the way you think about life. As you begin to ponder the things of God over here, the truths that you know, and you begin in faith to exercise them, all of a sudden, your mind and your heart and your focus becomes on Him, and then we become strong. We, we, we get up out of that, out of that chair as, as new believers, as believers who've been active, inactive for a while and not exercising, and we get up and we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we get up and we do our very best and we get strengthened through that process. And, he, and once we, we begin to think like God, we find that in situations we have great restraint. Something happens, we, old self used to be, that person, and all of a sudden, because God's at the center of our faculties, of our thinking, of our process, all of a sudden, we can begin to look at that a little bit different, step away, not get emotionally involved. We begin to have these success because we're growing and being strengthened in the, the Lord. In Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. God's at work, and He's going to... Bring you to where He wants you to be. He never lets you go. We sang that, but also He will complete the work in you. His work, He's, he's going to keep chiding you and bringing you along until that, that work begins to happen, and you'll know the joy as He works in your life. So as believers, we have to know things, and then we become strengthened so that we can begin or continue or find a right path to walk in and with the Lord. My little grandson, Nolan's 11 months old, and he's just beginning to walk. So we're going to throw that up there, Jeff. I almost want you to see him. So there he is. There he is. Go, Nolan. Go. Go. Oh. Oh. I, I'm, I got I'm got No. No. Oh. One more time. It's just too cute. There he goes, little Nolan, learning how to walk, taking his first steps. And everybody goes, oh, that's great. That's great. You know what? Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus as a believer, yay for you. Now, if you keep, if we, if we, if he's still walking that way, you know, when he's 22, not so good. The scriptures say that, you know, Paul, Paul gives us another chiding. He says, you know, by now you ought to be teachers, but you're not. You're still like babies. And, uh, and God's got more, more for you, and he's got more for me than that. But as we walk, as we walk, we get strength, and we get coordination. As we begin to walk with God, the power that's available becomes the strength in our lives. But there's two ways to walk. In Isaiah, in a prophetic warning, he says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark... Who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. He's saying, hey, we were all once not enlightened, but you have opportunity to come and walk in the light and walk with the Lord. Walk on his path. Don't try to get him to walk on your path. Or he gives you another option. 
But now all who you light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go. Walk in the light of your fires and the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. God says, hey, you can, you can follow my light or you can make your own light. Go for it. And I'm pretty sure all of you have gone for it before. Have you not? God, that's a good idea, but here I go. That's a nice lit path. You're, yeah, but that's kind of boring. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to have more fun. I'm going to have more of this. I'm going to do more of this. And we go off on our own, and we always find it leads us to a path that's not good. And God's strength begins to wane. Our spiritual strength begins to wane. And so he does this. He gives us that strength. We continue on about the next point that he wants us to do. He wants us to be able to dwell in our hearts. He wants Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. So he gives us strength. We begin to walk. And now... He wants to dwell in our lives. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, lives inside of you. He gives you this, all these powers, the treasure. He has hope available to you. We have to tap into it. But it, the, the word here, dwell, means to settle down and feel at home. That's what God wants for your life. He wants to come in. He's in your life if you're a believer. But he wants to, he wants to feel at home there and he wants to settle down. He's, he's not looking for a little, little corner garage unit, you know, with a nice little air conditioning, just enough. He wants to come in and he wants to be comfortable. But guess what? If he gets comfortable, you're going to be uncomfortable. Because he's going to rearrange some things. You're saying, wait a minute. My little dwelling here, my little house, I, I, I got it just the way I want it. The older I get, the more I understand why old people are like that. I'm going to be old one day, and then that's going to happen even more. But I see it. I see it coming in my own life. It's like, wait, don't upset the apple cart. And Jesus comes in, and he wants to dwell. He's the dweller. You're the dwelling. So you say, come in, make yourself at home, accept this. And God's saying, I want to, I want to have free reign to dwell and, and, and do what I want to do in your life. And we need to be nodding this way, saying yes. Yes, if we want to grow in Him and we want to experience the fullness of God. So He wants us to feel at home because He wants to dwell in us. And then nextly, He wants us to be rooted and established in love. So He starts to live in our lives and we start to give Him more and more freedom to change anything you want to change, God. Just, just work that out in me. Our strength becomes... This relationship where we're walking with God day in and day out. And then our roots go deep because we realize how much He loves us. Our roots go very deep. And, and we, we go deep into love with our roots. And then roots fill our, the love fills our life and it comes out our branches. And we can love other people, which brings people to Christ. We're to be rooted and grounded. It's also an architectural term that says foundation. Now, if, if you've been around the island and, and or tried to build or know anything about building on the island, we're, 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 we're well aware of the foundation issue on the island. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're, we're in the process of, of dreaming about uh, a new building. We bought this property next door, and we're going to build a building here or there probably, and we're, we're talking with, beginning the stages of talking with architects and just trying to get a vision for what that might be to share with, with the people. But one thing we know is that the foundation is going to cost an incredible amount. It, it does everywhere, but especially on the island, you're building on sand, and you've got to build these giant concrete pillars every 
few feet, it seems like, and they go like 20, 30, 40 feet down, and there's tons of concrete. And, and uh, there was a, a pastor who was talking with the architect not on the island, and he, and he said, why in the world does a foundation cost that much money? Why does it cost that much money? And, and the architect said to him, if you don't go deep, you can't go high. If you don't go deep, you can't go high. And that's, that's the way God is. You're not going to have a life that's worth living, that's fulfilled, if you're going to try to add a little bit of God to whatever you got going on. God, i got all this stuff, and I'm busy, and I'm happy with it, and uh, I'm going to squeeze you in and, and give you an hour and a half on Sunday, uh, counting prep time. If you have, for ladies, it might be a little longer. But you can't go high if you don't go deep. You've got to go deep into God if you want to live that love and experience it and then share it with other people. Christ dwells in the heart of every true believer, but not every heart is a comfortable home for you. For him, excuse me. How comfortable is your heart? Are you, are you really letting him do the work he wants to do in there? Are you letting him rearrange the furniture? Are you letting him change your calendar? You let him. You let him look at your bank account. You let him into everything. He wants to dwell, and he wants you to go deep in his love. We won't have the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, if we don't go deep into the things of God. Verse eighteen. And we pray that you might have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So Paul's saying, I, I pray that you can know the love that you can't know. Isn't that what it says, basically? I want you to know the love that you can't fully know. But you can know it, and you can know it more, and you can know it more. And this knowledge of his love can grow. And this is not the, the, this is not the brain knowledge. Oh, yeah, God loves you. Okay. Look in the eyes. This is the, oh, my goodness, I'm experiencing God's love. And he says to grasp. I want you to be able to grasp it. I want you to be able to grab a hold of it. And that means to apprehend, not just understand it here, but I want you to experience the love. When I was a child, I remember riding a carousel, and, I, and, and you know, it's just a long time ago, but the, but the memory lingers that, that there was something of a, of, a, of a brass ring. Anybody ever get a brass ring on a carousel? You actually got one? Anybody else? One person. But I, I, the story as I remember it with my feeble memory was that I wrote on this thing and it was, there was a, some kind of mechanism like that and it was broken and I couldn't do it. And I was disappointed as a kid. But um, the, whole, the whole thing I, I read about, I went and read up what used to be these carousels, which by the way could never happen now because you'd be calling like, you know, somebody would be, be suing you and they'd be saying, call the sevens. It's not really the seven, but you know. Call... Call the law wizard. You know, it, too many, it, it wouldn't happen anymore, but it used to be that they would put me, cheap metal rings in there, and every, I guess every so often they would, they would be there, and you could grab a ring. And every so often, rarely, there would be a brass ring. And if you grabbed the brass ring, it meant you got another free ride. Ooh, baby. I want to grasp I want to grab a hold of it. But the thing is, you, ha you, 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 you had to lean out to grab a hold of it, right? You couldn't just like stay on the inside and ride on your little horse and hold on with two hands. I mean, you had to lean out a little bit. 
And, and God's, God's uh, His experience is the same way. He expects you to make some effort. I want you to be able to grab a hold of this deep love. I want you to know it, but you're going to have to work a little bit to grab hold and understand. So as we learn these things about how good God is, then we grow, we become stronger, we let him dwell more and more. We give him more of everything in our lives. We go deeper into love and we can grasp these things. And finally, we get to the end purpose in verse 19. That you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a lot of fullness. You've tried to fill up your life before. With things you thought were important, with things you thought were neat, with things you thought were good. And you got full up for a little bit and then you needed more. And God says he wants to fill you to the measure, to the top, with all of the fullness of God. With everything that God has available in power and riches and might and wisdom. He wants to fill you up with that. But we oftentimes settle for a cheap cheap substitute of what we want and we think that's going to fill me up and it never ever does verse 19 continues and he says i want to fill you up of all your measure um will be go back one jeff before we go there as if i want to ask one more question where are you on your fullness today are you full to the fullness of things of god and maybe you don't even know what that means, but let me ask you a different question. Are you the fullest you've ever been? Did you have some mountaintop experience when you were a kid or as a young adult or sometime in the past, and you, know, you look to that and go, oh, and that was a great time, but you're not experiencing the fullness of God. We need to come back, review the things that we know, and start putting these things into practice so that we can get to the fullness of God so it overflows for his kingdom's work. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, more than you can even think of, God can do that according to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so his fullness, his fullness is there for us and we keep trying to fill ourselves. Don't do that. Who do you want to lead you? You and your great wisdom or God and his full wisdom? Who do you want to reward you? I want the one that has the riches, the deepest pockets. That's God. He wants to do that for you. John 1.16, in recapping the fullness here, says this. From the fullness of his grace, we've received one blessing after another. We look and we begin to know, grow in our understanding and, and we say every good gift is coming from God. We begin to know that and we see our blessings are full of Him and we become full of Him when we acknowledge Him and give Him praise. An empty life is disappointing and dangerous, both for you and for the Lord. If the Spirit of God doesn't fill us up with the things of the Spirit, then the spirit of disobedience uh, gets to work on us and we fall into sin and then we, we find ourselves robbed of, of the thing, very things that God wants for us. Paul has two prayers for the Ephesians. He has two prayers for us. I have these two 
these two general prayers for you, that you'll know God, you'll keep knowing Him better, and that you'll know, then you'll begin to know Him and apply these things to your life experientially so that you can be full up with the things of God. That's my prayer for you this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. And God, I pray that uh, our spiritual eyes will be open, our understanding will be strong, Lord. And I, I know that you speak to us each in different ways through the power of, uh, of your Spirit and what's been said. And I pray that all of us will say yes to whatever you have for us today. Lord, it's my desire that, uh, that we might be letting you dwell fully in our lives. God, that you have full control and we will know the great benefits that come from that. So bless us during this time of invitation that we might, we might honor you with our, our, our actions by saying yes to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.